You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 57, all about our gut microbiome with Afif Ghanoum. Welcome back, veggie lovers. Happy Sunday. I hope you are having a plantastic day today. This is episode number 57, and this will mark the end of season two. I did not make quite as much progress as I wanted to this season, but that's okay because the reason is, is because there was too many amazing things to do, and I had to choose because I do run my own practice and do all of this other stuff on the side. But I have big, big plans for season three. Alejandra, who is my director of social media communications and outreach and my right-hand woman. Basically, I don't think I'd be able to accomplish anything without her. She is amazing. Alejandra, thank you for everything that you do. She edits my podcast and she's been telling me for a while that I probably should do more monologues. But I just, I love interviewing people. I just feel like every time I interview somebody, I make a new friend and it's just so interesting and I learn so much and I don't know, it's just so fun. But also, I'm just gonna be completely honest, it's easy. Like it doesn't take me very long to come up with some good questions that I know that will help you guys learn things. And it doesn't require a lot of effort and it's just really an entertaining, fun time for me. But in my head, I've just been kind of convincing myself that doing more monologues is a lot more work because I need to plan the content, make sure I say what I say the way I want to say it. Excuse me. I have a little bit of laryngitis, all these spring viruses going around. So I think that's just something that I've been convincing myself of, and it's probably not true. It's probably going to be easier than I think. But season three, excuse me again, which we will be launching at the end of the summer will be mostly monologues. And I'm going to be taking you guys through some learning and they're also going to be shorter format. So I'm thinking 20 to 30 minutes so that you can listen on your walk and get the information in and go from there. So that is my plan, but there's a lot of things that will be changing this summer. I'm gonna have a new website dryami.com, doctor all spelled out. Don't go there yet because it's not ready yet, (laughs) but I'll tell you when it's ready. And my book, my book is going to be released in September. If you haven't heard already, my book is titled A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. And that is scheduled to be released September the 17th. It's already on pre-order, so if you want to go and pre-order on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble, it is ready to go. However, also consider joining my newsletter. If you go to VeggieFitKids.com, all the way down to the bottom of the page, subscribe to my newsletter, and you'll also get a little digital gift, VeggieFitKids e-guide, which has information on plant-based diets for children. That would be awesome, too. But lots of good things coming. Oh, the other thing I'm going to be relaunching at the end of the summer is my Warrior Woman Wellness Program, which is my coaching program that is directed only at women. That's why it's called Warrior Woman Wellness. And it's an intensive coaching program 
for women who want to have massive transformation in their lives. It's a 16 week program. I love it. I just get so much joy out of coaching these women that make such amazing changes in their life. And they're just, I mean, they're just so empowered. And what I love about coaching, especially in this way, is that I'm not trying to make them dependent on me. I want them to be able to spread their wings and fly at the end of our time together. So you will be hearing more about that when I start season three and all of the wonderful things because this 2019 has just been an amazing year so far. Super, super excited about everything. Well, I've talked enough about me. I want to talk to you about our podcast today. So I interviewed Afif Ghanoum, who is co-founder and CEO of Biome Health. So he is actually a biotechnology attorney, but he works with his father, who is the scientist behind all of this, to bring products out to consumers. So he's a regulatory expert in the supplement and consumer genetic testing space. He has founded three biotechnology companies with over $15 million in private equity financing. He has been named inventor on several biotechnology patents, and he has successfully launched over 10 consumer products. He's manufactured and sold millions of units that have been placed in over 27,000 stores, and he licensed a product to GlaxoSmithKline, that is currently sold in over 100,000 stores, and he's a Forbes magazine contributor. We had a really interesting conversation about the gut microbiome. I try to discuss the gut microbiome as much as I can on the podcast to my patients because I think it's really important to be aware that we have all of these bacteria and now, I don't know, fungi that are living within us that can contribute to our health or even detract from our health. So I hope that you learn a little bit of something in this podcast episode. And if you're curious, you can check out more of Biome Health at B-I-O-H-M Health, H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. So you can see what products they have to offer and if it may help you at all. I will personally be trying these products soon because I have been testing a lot of different products to decide what I want to carry in my office to just make it more convenient for my families and patients and to kind of help them sort through which probiotics are better and you know more effective, that kind of thing. So I'm going to be testing it. I already sent my sample in to see what my gut microbiome is composed of. So I'll get to learn about that in a few weeks. But we had a great conversation and I hope that you enjoy it. Thank you so much for being a listener of Veggie Doctor Radio. I so appreciate you. I'm so grateful for you. Again, I apologize for not giving you as much content in season two, but season three is coming. It's going to be different. I hope that you enjoy it. If you like my podcast, please rate and review it. Please share it. Help me spread this and grow this podcast and bring you even better information and drop me a line. Let me know what you want to hear about, what you want me to address, what you want me to talk about, what's interesting to you, what's going to benefit you in your life. I'm excited about what's to come. I hope you guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk soon. Broccoli. So today I'm so excited to talk about one of my favorite topics with Afif Ghanoum, 
who is co-founder and CEO of Biome Health. And today we're going to talk about the gut microbiome, which I feel like I talk about this almost every single day in my practice. It's so relevant to children and to adults and to everybody. But before we get started, Afif, I'd like to hear about your story because it seems to be very interesting. You are a biotechnology attorney. So how did you get into this microbiology, microbiome field? Great question. So I was working at a large law firm doing biotechnology, corporate law, licensing law. And my father, to even this day, is a researcher at Case Western School of Medicine here in Cleveland. He had a really interesting uh, technology to work on the catheter associated biofilms, which is a big issue for people that get infections in hospitals. So he had this really awesome technology and he was so excited that someone wanted to consumerize it, not consumerize it, but commercialize it and create a business. And, you know, I was very excited for him. And so a couple months later, they had brought in like a heavy duty biotech CEO from the West Coast, all this stuff. And again, this is my father's patent. And you know, at the end of it, he owned 1% of the company. And what I realized was, you know, my dad was this, you know, scientist and he was kind of taking advantage of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we kind of said like, never again, we're not going to do that. So I actually left big law and I said, listen, you know, your science, your research, we can commercialize this. So that was in 2010. And in that time we've uh, created and launched 12 products in about 27,000 stores. Uh, mostly in the oral care space. And one product we commercialized and we actually licensed it to a global pharma company for a product that's now sold in about 100,000 stores. So we continue to do that. And in 2016, my father did a large clinical trial on the microbiome of Crohn's patients. And what he found was that bacteria and fungi were really working together and causing severe issues for Crohn's patients. And literally thousands of people globally reached out to Case Western asking like, look, you know, I had no idea fungi was in my gut. Can I get tested? And we were sort of taken aback at the interest around his research. And, you know, again, my view looking at it was, wow, there's, this is something that there might maybe in the need for the market. So we partnered with Case Western and we rolled uh, his research out and we created Biome, which uh, was the first probiotic designed to balance bacteria and fungi in the gut. And we also created uh, a gut test to actually measure not just bacteria in the gut, but the fungi as well, and then help people understand how their gut compared to normal levels. So that's, you know, so almost 10 years now, we've been, you know, taking his science and, and moving it into uh, the consumer space. Wow, that is such a cool story. And I love, how you are literally your father's advocate. That is so (laughs) cute that you're like, listen, dad, you're being taken advantage of and we can work together and we're going to take over the world. (laughs) There's nothing like people always say, oh, how is it to work with your dad? Almost like expecting, oh, it's, it's tough, you know, and we just know our lanes and we really love each other. And and there's real simpatico, you know, and he's the scientist and literally a week ago, he got his latest NIH grant for, I think it was $3.5 million in Crohn's and microbiome. And, you know, he comes out of the office. We have, you know, about 20 people here in the office and he kind of loves seeing it come to life. So really is a lot of fun, you know? That's really neat. And it, it sounds like you guys are complimentary to each other. He can be happy scientist in the lab and you can take his stuff and make sure that it, you know, ends up in the right hands and is treated well. 
Well, I want to go ahead and um, let's get into this. So what is the gut microbiome and why is it important? It's a great question. So really, if you think about the gut microbiome, the way I explain it is people think of, and a lot of, nowadays people kind of understand that there's probably good bacteria in your body. They may be heard of the microbiome, but they know your gut has, has what they often hear is bacteria. Really, what they're talking about is the microbiome, which is a community of all sorts of different organisms. And the way I explain it is there's really three main uh, communities. The one is bacteria, fungi, and even viruses. So the bacteria is called the bacterium, fungi is the mycobiome, and then uh, viruses are the virome, which really of all the communities, we know the least about that. Mm -hmm. And even beyond that, there's even... um, other organisms in there that, that we really haven't been able to tie to like health outcomes. So the major communities, as far as your health and wellness is concerned, are bacteria and fungi. That's so cool because it's, it's true. Like, I feel like I'm always talking about bacteria and I've, and I think intellectually I've known that there's good fungi in there, but I really <laughs> haven't thought about it or done anything about it. So when your dad discovered this whole world of the microbiome, the bacteria in the gut, you say that really nobody else was talking about it at the time? Yeah. So the first place he actually found a native fungal community in the body was actually in the oral cavity. In 2010, he identified 101 species of fungi that, fungi that natively live in our oral cavity. And he coined the term the microbiome in his publish, publication around that. What is funny, though, is that we've actually, and, and you were kind of saying it too, implicitly known that this community has been in there. The, really, the interaction was the part that people were not concentrating on. And my father, when he did his PhD in 1975, I think it was, he got turned on to this by seeing that, you know, when they would do studies and they'd remove bacteria in the digestive tract of you know animals or humans, they'd see a flare-up in fungi. So women, oftentimes, they see it in, you know, uh, uh, you know, v- vaginal fungal infections, for example, a lot of times coming after using antibiotic. So uh, implicitly, a lot of people realize there was some sort of connection, but it really is only the last 10 years that that's come to fruition. And, and that's partly because it's only probably the last five years that the technology to reliably detect these organisms down at the strain level has gotten good enough that one, it's cost effective to do these studies. And two, you're really able to differentiate between, you know, tens of thousands of different organisms in there. Wow. Yeah, that's super interesting. So we know that these bacteria, funguses, they exist in there, but we also know that certain types of bacteria can be harmful, certain types can be beneficial, and probably also the ratios of some of them can be more beneficial. So what are the signs and symptoms that our gut flora is out of balance and can be causing us harm? That's a great question. And it's kind of a frustrating answer in that one of the biggest hallmarks of digestive issues and pain points is that it's very hard to know what is causing an issue you're experiencing. A lot of times it can be genetic based, it can be your diet, it can be an imbalance in your microbiome, but it's been very hard to reliably know whether it actually is microbiome. One of the things we hear a lot of people is, you know, with our old friend, the internet, they become convinced that they have a candida issue or something like that. So the problem is a lot of these symptoms can point to maybe, uh, I might have gluten sensitivity or I might have 
uh, an imbalance in my microbiome, but it's very hard unless you're really looking to understand. And even if you do find an imbalance, that may not be what's causing you the issue. Some people are genetically predisposed to you know, an imbalance. The example I always use is everybody has that friend who hasn't been to the dentist for 10 years and has perfect teeth. Yeah. And the other person goes every three months and they, they just have tremendous cavities, right? Mm-hmm. It's just genetically, like we're predisposed to um, you know, different issues. But the problem is when we don't look at the gut, sometimes we overlook things. I'll give you a good example. About a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, we had a cluster of women who they looked out of like a Lululemon catalog. They, they worked out often. They ate everything they should be eating. You know, they were very mindful, even have meditation practices. They had ser- pretty serious digestive symptoms. What we saw and what my dad saw in the data was that there was an overgrowth of a very aggressive type of fungi called zygomycota. Now, typically, he would only see this in immunocompromised patients, so cancer patients, HIV patients. So initially, first few that we saw, he actually thought it might be undiagnosed cancer, something like that. When the cluster was getting big enough, we thought, okay, that's too coincidental that it would be a number of people that don't realize they have an immunocompromised condition. When we started looking at their diet, what we saw were that these were people that were completely like zero carbs, zero dairy. Right? They were completely cutting out these very naturally prebiotic, probiotic foods. And it was allowing for them, it was causing this one type of fungi to spike and cause all sorts of digestive symptoms. Right, So the problem is, unless you went and looked and saw what is going on in the gut, you would really, for you know a 35-year-old woman, let's say, you would have no reason to think it would, might be a type of fungi that's growing out of control right? Because you, you, it, it's just, so that's one of the things that it's, it's really fascinating when you look at, and this is a long way to answer to your question, but it's, it's one of the things, the way we look at the microbiome is it's, it's a sub area that should be looked at when you're looking at all these, you know, health issues, especially in, in, in an unclarified issue that doesn't seem to be responding. Does that make yeah. sense? And, and we're still learning a lot. I think that the research is still in its infancy totally. I and mean, we're learning so much, but there's so much still to learn. And I guess in pediatrics, some of the areas that we know that it could be beneficial to think about the gut flora is in cases, of course, antibiotic related diarrhea, and for some babies, maybe some infant colic issues. Um, And so those are the areas that for sure, we're like, okay, we probably should be thinking about probiotics and and those kinds of things. Um, And it makes me think too, of what you were saying, I have a friend who's an allergist, Brian Tyson in Houston, pediatric allergist, and uh, we were kind of corresponding on email. And he told me that modern medicine is really good at diagnosing and treating severe symptoms, but not quite as good at dealing with mild to moderate symptoms. So I think that there's a lot of us out there maybe have some like mild digestive issues, things that are bothersome, but not enough to really make you go to the doctor or hospitalize. And there's not a lot of attention or research being paid to those areas. So maybe it's going to take some more time to refine, just like your dad was able to see this cluster. And as a scientist think, hmm, what's going on here and dig totally. a little further, that's not going to happen at the doctor's office, you know? So uh, a million percent. One of those things that's going to take some time. So you mentioned prebiotics. What is the difference? Well, maybe just define probiotic. And then what's the difference between probiotic and prebiotic? 
It's a great question. I personally hate that these terms sound so similar because they're completely different, right? A probiotic is literally a living organism, right? The easiest way to think about it is, is a good germ, right? And so that's the organisms what we're talking about in your gut. So we can supplement those with a probiotic, which is basically just putting more of the good germs in, into your gut with the idea being that by supplanting and adding to that cluster of probiotics that are natively in your gut, you're, you're going to help bolster that community. What a prebiotic is, the easiest way we explain it is that it's almost like a fertilizer for your gut. It, it's creating this amazing topsoil for probiotics to really, uh, uh, really do well. And the typical prebiotic is not alive. It's actually just dietary fiber. And now you're seeing some innovations in the prebiotic space where it's not only dietary fiber, but that's sort of your, your classic, uh, like inulin is one that a lot of people are familiar with. And, and really what it's doing is it's, it's food for your probiotic and it actually lowers the pH balance in your gut, which uh, bad organisms really don't do well in and good organisms do, particularly good bacteria. So that's a simple difference. Probiotic is a living organism and the prebiotic is like fertilizer for your gut. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I describe it to my patients too, is if you want to keep those healthy gut bacteria, you have to feed them and keep them happy and you have to feed them the totally. right, the right things. So what is um, the most effective way to increase healthy and beneficial gut flora, bacteria, and funguses, fungi? It's a great question. So one of the things that uh, we'll have a lot of people that will come and say, okay, you know, I want to, I want to improve my, my digestive balance. What probiotic should I take? And we say, listen, Probiotic is a dietary supplement. It really should be supplementing what you're doing on your, on your diet, right? So I think people are very quick to overlook how they can be optimizing their diet. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of that will depend on individual case by case. Like we'll have people that, you know, again, like I said, they, they um, really eat well. But the problem is your diet is one factor it's multifactorial right like we we actually deal with everything from ufc to olympic champions that could not eat better if they tried the exercise all the time the problem is they're under a tremendous amount of stress mm -hmm. and that causes big digestive issues so a lot of times it really depends on your individual circumstances so you know if you seem to eat well and you but you don't sleep a lot or you're you drink alcohol these are other things that can really impact your microbiome so it, it it's it's as a rule of thumb, we say there's diet, your genetics, your sleep, stress, and alcohol are the big things that can really impact your, your gut microbiome. So if you're think one of those things, obviously your genetics are hard to improve unless you're, you know, going to a nuclear facility or something. So if you're not going to do that. <laughs> well, I'm thinking then, if you go to a nuclear facility, that might do the opposite to your genetics. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Right, right. Who knows, right? Let's, let's not, let's not try and figure it out. But the point is there are these other factors that you can try and see. You know, there's a, usually um, what we found ironically is like when people are taking our tests, I, I would tend to think that you, you would be taking a test like this as like a last option. But a lot of times when we see in their questionnaires, about 50% of people who take the test eat fast food at least once a week. Mm -hmm. You know, so a lot of times we'll say, listen, before you try anything else, why don't you, you know, really try optimizing your diet? And they're, it's funny, they're shocked and they're like very excited when even something simple as that makes a big improvement, you know what I mean? So some of these things are, are constant. So the way I put it is everybody's been stuck on a road behind that guy on a carbon fiber bike, a Lycra suit, amazing helmet, and he's a hundred pounds overweight. And you're like, before you buy the carbon fiber bike, 
see if you can lose 50 pounds. That's going to make your performance a lot better. It's the same with your gut. You don't need all these fancy things a lot of times. A lot of times there's small uh, things you can really do pretty simply to improve your digestive health. I love that. And that's so true. It's multifactorial. But as far as diet goes, fiber, right? So Mm -hmm. would beans be something that you would recommend for people to be eating regularly as they are one of the highest sources of both soluble and insoluble fiber in our diet? A a million percent. Anything that's high fiber, you really cannot get enough of. You know, obviously there's exceptions to the rule always, but the main thing you can be doing is really trying to get a very high prebiotic diet. Again, going back to the idea of dietary fiber. Why? Because actually in your gut, without any probiotics, you, you have a community of good organisms. And it's actually a good place to kind of explain all you're trying to do in your gut is you're not trying to get rid of anything. You're not trying to get rid of any of the bad guys. You're not trying to put a billion of the good guys. You're, you're trying to really, when people talk about digestive balance, it really is about keeping that homeostasis as, as much as possible because the, where we see problems, it's not when you have too much of something. It's when you see a disproportionate imbalance, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. um, that's, what, that's all you're trying to do. Does that make sense? So, And the best way to do that is really you know, dietary fiber is, is cannot be underemphasized. And it's funny, it's kind of a boring response, but it, but it's so true, you know? No, I'm, I don't know if you can tell that I have hearts in my eyes <laughs> right. because one of my favorite things to say is that fiber is my favorite F word. And I'm sure that my <laughs> patients, that. they're like, my, the parents of my patients, because a lot of my patients don't know what I'm saying because they're like little, but right. I'm just constantly preaching fiber, constantly trying to get them to eat more beans because there's a lot of families in the United States that aren't used to eating beans. They haven't been taught to cook them. They haven't been taught to eat them. I know that your ethnic background, you're probably a lot more comfortable with legumes in general. Exactly. Yep. Trying to get them to eat more of those. And of course, you know, your vegetables and your whole grains and all of those things too. But yeah, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of that. Now, when um, we first connected I don't know if it was you or somebody else that said that there's been some interesting revelations about intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is all the rage right now. It's very popular. So is there any association between our meal timing and our gut flora? Yeah, it's a great question. Obviously, there's been a tremendous amount of positive evidence around intermittent fasting and especially weight loss. You know, it's if you hear many of the big voices out there, like the Joe Rogans of the world, it's sort of the the next coming of keto, those types of things. What we found is that a lot of people who end up doing intermittent fasting actually end up reporting quite a few digestive issues. Now, part what, what we're still trying to unravel, though, is that is that a function of who's doing this, right? Because it's it's not an aggressive diet, but it's a pretty regimented diet. So a lot of people who are doing it, they're, they're heavily into fitness. They're very disciplined in what they're eating anyway. And they're using this new paradigm of, you know, an eight-hour window to eat that's uh, in, in identifying themselves as intermittent fasting. So when we're seeing digestive issues, what we're trying to figure out is, okay, how much of this is to do with the fasting piece versus it being almost they're pre-selecting themselves in and probably already had digestive issues. So, yeah. um, Well, and also a lot of people that are doing intermittent fasting are concomitantly doing ketogenic diets or trying mm -hmm. to do a ketogenic diet and eat this more high fat diet. Totally. So are you guys seeing any association between that, like the ketogenic diet and the gut flora? 
We see people that a lot of people who do keto do report digestive issues. And again, we uh, uh, will oftentimes get, you know, uh, uh, what I term maybe like a VIP client, like a, like a professional athlete or, you know, a, a, a mixed martial artist who comes to us and they're dealing with digestive issues. A lot of times we'll see that they're doing that type of a diet. And again, it, it's people, a lot of times it's, it's the unsexy answer that people don't want to hear. But a lot of times when you're doing extremes, your body's going to react. Yeah. We could probably talk more about that, but I also want to talk about the harmful components of our diet. You mentioned alcohol, but I'm curious about coffee and certain teas and other certain herbs or foods, any associations there to damaging our gut flora? You know, that's a great question. We have not seen any necessarily like specific acts like, oh, someone who has coffee intake is more uh, uh, opportune to seeing issues. We've, for the most part, we, we have not seen that. The, the biggest aspects where we definitely have seen, and part of it is we're not getting the splices of people that are only coffee drinkers, but not necessarily, you know, uh, non-alcohol drinkers mm-hmm. where it's easy to splice what's going on, right? Yeah. A lot of these people that come and we see there, I would say probably 85% of them are following an average American diet, right? Mm -hmm. And they're trying to figure out where to even get started. Now, of course, we have those people that they're like optimizers, what we talk about them, that they're really looking for that like last inch of optimization. But vast majority of people, it's very hard to splice out that this one thing is causing an issue, you know, because obviously correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation. Mm -hmm. So the massive things that we know for a fact do cause a severe amount of issue is alcohol. Yeah. Is and that it, makes a lot of sense just because of what it is, you know, it, totally. it kills bacteria. So, okay, great. So for probiotics, so for actually taking the bacteria in a supplement and the fungus in a supplement form, ideally, who is this for? Who would benefit from taking probiotics? It's a great question. The analogy I use is oral care, right? So going back to what I said earlier, we all know the friend who has like oral care issues and then the other people who really don't have any issues. But day in, day out, what we've learned is it's very important to maintain our oral care because our oral cavity is very dynamic, right? We're constantly putting food in, saliva production. It, it, it's Your mouth is constantly challenged. And as a result, you end up creating oral biofilms, which people are familiar with oral plaque. So what we do is we end up maintaining it through ideally brushing our teeth at least twice a day, mouthwash, flossing, all these other things. What we're starting to see is that the digestive system has a similar paradigm. Why? Because, again, it's not like your skin where let's say you have a cut, you can clean it, you can put a bandage on it. It really won't be sterile, but you can pretty much make sure it's left alone. Your digestive tract is not that way. It's constantly processing liquids, food. There's a substantial amount going on that is going to be impacting your microbiota. So what we've seen is that really, obviously, there are people who have digestive issues that can, uh, and I have a caveat, because one thing is, if you're dealing with severe digestive issues, you, you may not need a probiotic, you may need to see a physician, right? Because I think that's something that a lot of people kind of skip ahead. Um, so really, what we think is that it's, it's more and more being treated like a multivitamin, like something that it's as an ongoing maintenance. Um, mm-hmm. A probiotic is something that can be useful. But again, 
it's not, it's a supplement to what you're doing on your dietary side. And it's not a replacement uh, for when you need to see a physician or a healthcare professional, you, you really should. Mm-hmm. So what you were saying is that um, for the oral care, are you specifically talking about people who have a lot of cavities or just anybody who wants to optimize their oral care? What yeah, my point is nobody, I don't brush my teeth and be like, you know what, I have great oral care. I'll brush my teeth again two months from now. I, I day in, day out, just maintain my oral care through consistently brushing my teeth, using mouthwash, that sort of thing. It's the same with the digestive tract. It's really hard to address a digestive issue acutely with one time. It really doesn't work like that. And when we're using things that are acute, like acid reductors, those are very harsh in our system, right? And so, you know, American way is to sort of like just deal with the symptom, not necessarily address the underlying problem and solve my problem now, as opposed to more of a maintenance prevention type approach. So that's why what we've, what we've seen is that, you know, the people who end up having the best results are the ones that are on an ongoing basis um, utilizing a probiotic or frankly a prebiotic. Some people do very well by just trying to optimize what's already in their gut um, and just keep trying to maintain as optimal balance as possible. Yeah. And I guess that's my next question is one thing that I've been confused about is, you know, we, for people that take probiotics, when I prescribe probiotics, you take these probiotics but now it is becoming more as like a daily kind of supplement thing. But if you otherwise optimize your lifestyle and you're eating a lot of prebiotics, a lot of fiber or healthy diet, shouldn't you be able to maintain those colonies or why do you have to keep taking it? It's a great question. And the, and the annoying answer is it depends, right? So for some people, it, it's certainly going to be enough, right? And they're just by eating better, controlling their stress. The problem is it's very difficult for a lot of people to maintain all these things optimally. So all you're doing, and and this is why I love kind of harping on this term of like dietary supplement, it it really should only be supplementing what you can't do uh, by yourself to really maintain optimal uh, digestive digestive health and, and whatever it may be, right? Like whether it's a vitamin D supplement or or multivitamin, a lot of times it's very hard to do it through only diet. And, but if you're able to have it and at the end of the day, who cares if you have a balanced microbiome, if you're either experiencing digestive issues or you're not right. So for some people, if they have good digestive health, then God bless you and just keep doing what you're doing. Right. You don't, you might not need it. Okay. Are there any potential harms of probiotics? Is there anybody that shouldn't be taking them? That's a great question. Generally, what the literature shows is that that's really not the case. Even, you know, we're seeing that uh, in pregnancy, we get asked this all the time, is it an issue to use probiotics? And no, it's not usually an issue to use probiotics. The only time we're very wary and we tell people definitely talk to a physician is when you're taking a probiotic that's in something else. So for example, like we have a super greens formula that has a probiotic. We always say, listen, you know, it's never a bad idea to go talk to your physician, especially if you're pregnant or you have some other, you know, health condition or other medication. That's the, that's the part because probiotics are now in almost everything. Like it's kind of ridiculous to be honest, like even ice cream. Um, So, but as a baseline, probiotics are pretty much safe for everyone. Now, the only caveat to that is sometimes if people are severely immunocompromised, there can be an issue with some strains. So uh, again, it's, it's like a good rule of thumb. If you have any question or you think you might have a question, the best default is always talk to your physician before you try anything, especially if you're dealing with some sort of health condition. Yeah. And that's what I say too, is there is that theoretical risk 
that those that are immune compromised, whether they're on chemotherapy or have some other immune com com compromising disease or premature babies too. I, I know that there have been some case studies of preemies that have had some adverse effects from probiotics. And yeah, and, and, and part of it is your system is just even with a premature baby, like they're, they're, they're immunocompromised. That's why you'll see thrush in a baby because their systems are just not up for the challenge of controlling it. Like in an adult, true candida thrush is very rare. Like something pretty serious is usually going on. And that's because your system should be able to control it. It's like people forget that a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, people with HIV or even AIDS, uh, it, it's not that uh, condition that's causing their health issues. It's that their body's not able to actually control the other infections, right? And actually one of my father's biggest grants was from the, uh, it's OHARA, which is Oral Health AIDS Research Initiative, something like that. But he had a big NIH grant basically to study like how can you control these complications of immunocompromised conditions. So again, that's a long-winded way of saying, especially if you're immunocompromised or like you said, a preemie baby, yes, it, you should always default to making sure you're confirming with your physician that it's safe because your system is not up for the challenge for a lot of these things. And, and, and theoretically, because a probiotic is a living organism, it can uh, you know, potentially grow, grow out of control. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, great. So how does one know if a probiotic is effective and it works? That's a great question. It's a little bit of the million dollar question. So um, again, I think part of it is the lens you look at these things, right? Uh, and whether it's a microbiome test, a probiotic, or any dietary supplement. First of all, you should run for the hills if anybody claims that any dietary supplement is, is sort of a cure-all, right? What, whether it, it has true therapeutic effect. That's not the point of dietary supplements. So with a probiotic, if you're dealing with anything more than occasional digestive issue, you probably should talk to your physician beyond a probiotic. With that being said, a lot of times probiotics will help deal with you know, conditions like uh, regularity, diarrhea, bloating, some of these occasional digestive symptoms. And you know, so we have people that report feeling like just overall better health, um, better uh, experience with dealing with some of these symptoms. And then some people just say, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't really feel anything, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, again, part of it is depending on how you're entering the conversation of if you're trying to address a specific digestive issue, if you're trying to look for kind of a way to optimize your wellness routine. Yeah, it's really um, interesting because I started playing around with probiotics probably like two months ago. I hadn't ever taken a probiotic before as a supplement. And I want to start carrying some in my office for the kids. So I wanted to kind of play around with it. And one of the very strange, just surprising effects I had is that like 15, 20 minutes after I would take the probiotic, I would feel super calm. Interesting. Like incredibly calm. Like it was definitely the probiotic because on days that I would miss it, it wouldn't happen. Huh. And I'm wondering if you've heard of anything like that before. Like anxiety relief for people 
It's funny. So there's a lot of evidence around the gut-brain axis that you're hearing about. So people are reporting that, um, not necessarily in, in, in our case, but we, you're certainly hearing people talking about feeling a mental impact after using probiotics, you know, or energy impact, those sorts of things. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, like I said, this is, I think we're going to learn more and more in the coming years, but there's so much we don't know. There's like so oh, much we don't understand yet about how our bodies work. What are, do you have any good guidelines for choosing a probiotic, for choosing a good probiotic? What should people look for? That's a great question. So the way I would, I would say is there are different probiotics for depending on what, on what you're trying to do. The main thing you should look at, and there's a million reasons to pick any number of probiotics, you should really be asking what is the source of the probiotic strains? Because again, remember, this is not like vitamin C. These are living organisms. They're useless if they're dead, right? They, they don't do anything. So really what you need to understand is where, where are they sourcing the probiotic strains from? That's very important. Something that people don't think about is what is the packaging that the probiotic comes in? Because again, uh, you know, we've all seen trucks, like how do you think these things get to retail stores or to you through the mail? They're, they're in often very hot or extreme conditions, right? So the packaging the probiotic should come in should be set to actually withstand extreme temperatures. That's very important. The other is, does the strain either by inherency or by a coating or the capsule protect the strains from gastric acid as it's getting down to your digestive tract? That's very important because again, it only matters if they're alive when they arrive in your stomach, right? Mm -hmm. So that means if it's a low quality strain, they're not alive by the time they get to you. If they're dead because the packaging just didn't protect them, or if on the way down to your stomach, they get killed by gastric acid, it could be the best probiotic in the world. It's not going to help you, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what I say is a general probiotic is going to have some impact if they're alive. Now, again, what we, and the reason we designed uh, Biome was because we thought that people were too overly concerned with just bacteria. So that's where we thought, you know, really there should be an organism that's uh, a probiotic that's really looking at bacteria, fungi, and then digestive biofilms. Um, so again, that's not that not a implicit plug, but I'm trying to make the point that like any single strain probiotic, we don't necessarily think is is going to be as broad spectrum as you probably could use. So is there a minimum number of strains that you should look for whenever you're looking for a product? That's a great question. Um, no. The way we look at it is what we've seen in the science is that really as low as 100 million CFU, because you see in the billions, 100 million CFUs, you'll see actual impact on, uh, in studies. So what we always say is like probably the lowest you should probably be looking for is a billion CFUs. Why? Because a lot of times a billion may not be alive by the time you get to your gut, but probably half a billion will survive. You know, again, this is just broad strokes. The one thing I always tell people to watch out for is you don't necessarily want something that says it has 150 billion CFU. Like larger doesn't necessarily mean better. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Um, and then how about no different number of strains though? You're saying like, if it's just like one or two strains, it may not be quite as helpful. So should you look for something that has more strains? 
So, so what you want to look at for, and it could be a single strain, but it, it's probably gonna be in the neighborhood of three to four strains, is strains that are gonna have broad spectrum impact on balance, right? So mm -hmm. you, we don't think, um, and again, it's hard to talk for every probiotic out there. There's literally thousands of them. So it's hard to know if there's single strain or 50 strain probiotics that do the job. They, they very well may. There's a lot of them out there. What we've found though, is that there are a lot of strains that can cover a broad balance without being dozens of strains and without being a single strain. Um, mm -hmm. So again, you know, rule of thumb, if you're in the there's a lot of solid probiotics in like the 50 to 30 billion CFU and in the between one and four strains. Now, the one thing we also thought was important that should be in a probiotic is a digestive enzyme. And reason being, we think that, and this goes back to my father's research, one of the things that really has not been addressed is digestive biofilm, which is plaque. Uh, again, we were, I was talking about earlier oral plaque all that is, is plaque itself is not really causing an issue. It's, it's, it's a very thick layer that protects uh, organisms that are pathogenic underneath. That those, that's what's causing the issue with your gums. So when we're removing that plaque, we're trying to get those uh, organisms underneath. That same dynamic is what is in the gut. There's digestive biofilm with pathogenic organisms hidden within. So you really need to be able to remove that biofilm in order to get to, to balance those pathogenic organisms hidden within. Mm -hmm. We think you need a digestive enzyme mixed with probiotics to be able to really do that effectively. Mm -hmm. To kind of help it be more best utilized by the body. Um, what's the difference between a probiotic supplement and say like a cultured food, like yogurt, which has been popular in the past um, or fermented foods? What's the difference there? Great question. So there's a number of fermented foods that people are loving. Kimchi, sauerkraut even, uh, like you said, kefir, yogurts. There's a lot of fermented foods. There's a couple of, of issues typically. One, if you look at a lot of fermented foods, if you look on the back label, you actually see that they, they are supplemented with probiotics that are added, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the foods, unless you're making it at home and fermenting it yourself, they're actually, uh, even kombuchas, things like that, They they have probiotics that are added. Mm -hmm. The strains that you're getting in a uh, fermented food, one of the challenges is that it's very hard to get a consistent amount in every serving, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's definitely uh, positive to be eating fermented foods. In fact, we encourage that. The problem is, especially if you're trying to address any sort of digestive symptom, it's hard to get an, the, the, the high enough number of cultures and get any sort of diversity and know that you're getting enough when you're getting in a scoop. Just like two bananas are not gonna have the exact amount of calories or nutritional profile. It's the same when you're looking at trying to get your probiotics strictly from fermented foods. It's very difficult. Mm -hmm. Well, and I also have heard too that for yogurt, some of those strains are weaker and they don't really make it past the stomach acid. I don't know if that's true or not, but that it might not be as helpful as some people think. Um, as far as replenishing the good gut bacteria. Exactly. Now, a lot of foods, one of the nice things, you know, because I've had people ask, well, wait a second, if, if organisms can die on their way down to your stomach, how come I get food poisoning if there's something that's got bacteria in a piece of food? <laughs> so because 
those germs are in a very dense piece of food. So they are going to survive through because they're probably within. Same dynamic probably happens in fermented foods that you're getting a lot that they'll actually, a lot will survive into the gut because they're kind of compacted in this dense matter, right? Um, but really for us, the main thing is the consistency, the amount of strains you're getting, and um, just the sheer ability to get enough. It's mm -hmm. very difficult. So again, it's, it's like as part of like a regular diet, fermented food's definitely great. It's just, if you're trying to get a meaningful amount of probiotics in your system, it's hard to do it just through fermented foods. Okay. Yeah. And I would say too, to that person is that there's definitely going to be bacteria that are way more pathogenic and uh, in for sure. probiotics, they're, they're weaker and they're not going to go and, you know, give you E. coli disease. Um, and put you in the hospital with kidney failure. So. A million percent. And the other thing too is like people, there's a lot of drinks now and foods that are probiotic infused. We're very wary of that, especially if they're high in calorie or sugar or, or those other things. Because again, it's like saying, oh, I drink juice to get vitamin C. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're also getting a tremendous amount of other things that you don't necessarily need. Again, sugar being the, the biggest one. So if you're truly trying to get probiotics, there's a lot of simpler ways than buying, you know, expensive uh, juices and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then what about children and babies? Are there benefits for that category of our people to be taking probiotics? Yeah, no, absolutely. So we, um, the biggest restriction on kids and probiotics is being careful that they don't choke on a capsule. Right. It's like it really is. Right. So there really is no issue with giving even a baby probiotics. Um, again, not talking about situations like premature and that sort of thing. But um, even, you know, my son uh, had uh, a round of antibiotics and we just, you know, poured probiotics right into his yogurt. And so, yeah, no, we think it's something that's very important for kids, especially because at this age, you know, antibiotics, they're, they're constantly in school with all sorts of things they're coming in contact with. It's just a, a very good idea to have them um, using probiotics on a continuous basis. Yeah. And I've, as a practice, been starting all my hospital-born babies, because I do have a significant amount of babies born at home, but all my hospital-born babies, and especially babies whose mothers have been treated with antibiotics during labor for group B strep infection, um, suggesting to parents to start a probiotic on them after birth as well to hope, you know, to kind of lessen the effects of that antibiotic exposure, but also exposure to the crazy bacteria, uh, the colonies that are present in the hospital, including MRSA. Oh, so totally. who knows, who knows if it's helping or not right now, it's more of just like, let's try and see. Okay. So I want to give you some time. I know we've kind of been talking about it a little bit, but I want to give you some time to talk about your products and what you offer from your company. Yeah, again, all of our products, Biome, were born out of my father's research at Case Western School of Medicine. Really, the simple way to look at it is that what my father saw in his research is that bacteria and fungi really work together in the digestive tract. So to us, it really didn't make sense to be doing either just bacteria or just fungi. You had to really be addressing the total balance of the gut. The other part of that was when you were actually looking in the gut and you're trying to do a microbiome test to understand what's going on in the gut, you couldn't just look at bacteria. That to us is looking at the front two tires of the car and saying, 
you're good to go. And you're like, what about the back two tires? And no, we just, we're just a front two tire store, right? You really need to be looking at, at the whole uh, car. So what we have are probiotics that are designed to balance both the bacteria and fungi in your gut and tests that are designed to balance and look at the balance of bacteria and fungi in the digestive tract. But the other thing is just like we say, you need to look at bacteria and we need to look at fungi. Digestive health is something that people come to it at different points. Some people do just want a probiotic. Some people, are, they don't even know where to start. So we actually have tests with probiotics, but we also have uh, microbiome trained nutritionists that do wellness consults so that we're able to offer sort of a 360 approach to mm -hmm. gut health. Yeah, that's cool. And I actually sent a sample in, so I'm excited to see what my little gut flora friends are inside of me. But I think that's really neat. So if if people were to decide to start a probiotic regimen, do you recommend that they kind of test before and after they they change that in their lifestyle? The way I put it is, depends on, on the type of person you are. Like for me, I'm not a tester. I'm, I'm just not that type of person. I want a, sort of a middle of the road option. Some people, they want to know exactly what's going on, especially if they're dealing with some issues. They, they really want to get the most information. So when they're making a decision on what products to use or not use, they feel really empowered, right? So don't, you know, if you're the guy that's going to, you know, just want to try and product and see how it goes, then I, you, I would start with a probiotic or, or a super greens type product. But if you really want to understand, we even have regimens where you can test your gut and then do, you know, a cleanse, a prebiotic, and a probiotic. So it really depends on the type of person you're at. A middle of the round, a middle of the road option is really the either the probiotic or, a, you know, super greens. It's easy to mix in other things because again, myself, I'm not a capsule person, so I love mixing stuff in where it's I don't even have to think about it. Other people don't like that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's kind of choose your own adventure. Mm -hmm. So you guys kind of have like powders you can put into smoothies and stuff like that. Totally. And everything that we have on our website, a couple hundred different recipes and people do everything from create salad dressings to even baked goods. Our probiotics actually do survive baking. And so, um, you know, a, a lot of people even use it as an easy way to sneak it into their kids' food um, instead of trying to get them to eat, eat, take a capsule. Wow. That's pretty hardy. How do they, how do they survive baking? It's a great question. So we have an enteric coating on our probiotic, which is directly on the powder, not the capsule, which protects it from extreme heat as well as gastric acid. So, wow. Yeah. That's super interesting. Okay. So where can my listeners go to find out more about your products and more about what you do and connect with you guys? So they can go to biomehealth.com. That's B as in boy, I-O-H-M, health.com. And we're also on all the major social platforms, Biome Health on Instagram. Always feel free to drop us a note. We have a chat 24-7. If you have any questions around the microbiome, you can get there right off our site. And we always just love to hear from people. So uh, biomehealth.com is probably the easiest way. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Afif, for joining me today. This has been a super informative conversation, and I'm really excited that you got to join me. And I hope that listeners check out your page and learn more about what you guys have to offer. Well, thanks for having me. And when your gut results are done, my dad will walk you through your results. So Awesome. I'm excited. I hope you guys have a really plantastic day. <laughs> you too. Take care.
I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocket surgeons music. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at Veggie Fit Kids on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or you can email me at veggiedoctor at veggiefitkids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.